Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. And on this day, we gather the final week of Advent to hear once more the story that explains life. And it makes meaning out of darkness. Speak to us today. May we hear your word and respond. We ask this Lord in your son's name who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. There's one word that describes what we need today. There's one word that will solve all of your problems and make all of our lives better. One word that will solve every domestic and geopolitical challenge that our country faces. One word that'll make our marriages better and improve our relationships with our kids, with our parents, with our friends, with our coworkers. One word. And this is it. It's a word that none of us even know. Maybe you've heard the word, but if I asked any of you, you wouldn't be able to say it. And that's okay. Because this word isn't even a word that's in our language. It's not a word that we hear. So is anybody ready to hear what the word is yet? Anyone want to guess? I'm hearing some people guess it. Good. I've heard it. The word is shalom. The Hebrew word, and I'm not going to tell you what it means, but some of you have said it, so I think you might know what it means. We've already heard the English word today, but I'll hold you in suspense. But shalom is the word. Shalom is what we wait for. Shalom is what we all need. Shalom is only Jesus can bring it. So if you take out your Bibles today and turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, this is where we're going to be at in uh, our appointed passage for the gospel reading today. So Matthew 1, and it'll be 18 through 25. So Matthew 1, you can be found in the Pew Bible, if you want to follow along, on page number 1374. Matthew 1. So as you're turning to Matthew 1, we need to have context. We need to understand that Advent is telling a story and Advent is inviting us into this story. We need to understand that story if we're going to understand the story of Advent. Today we read Psalm 80. I don't know if you noticed, but that psalm is full of emotion and deep pain. It might even make you uncomfortable. But that's what the psalms are about. Expressing to God what we feel, what we feel we need, ways that we think that we need him to respond. And for the psalmist, we feel anguish, we fear desperation, we feel despair. And why is it that the psalmist is expressing and emoting this way? It's because God's people need to be saved. They are in exile. They are need to be saved and rescued from their exile. That is the story of Advent. Not just for the Jewish people, but for all of us. We all need to be saved. We all need to be rescued. And that is the story of Advent. A story of rescue. We need to understand that there are people in our lives who need to be rescued. There might be people you interact with every day who need to be rescued. From sin, yes, but not just from sin. We can be more specific. We can say they need to be rescued from depression, from addiction, from abuse, from despair, 
from rebellion, from greed, lust. The list could go on. We need to be saved. We need to be rescued. And the story of Advent is about recognizing that that's where all of us start. And we're waiting to be rescued. And what the psalmist does is he looks and he says there's only one answer to being rescued. And that is God. God alone can rescue his people. So the psalmist calls out to God. He says, God, will you please rescue us? Can you hear our call for help and respond? And as we get to the end of the psalm, we hear the psalm, psalmist more strongly call for God to rescue his people. So this is where Advent begins. And this is where Advent sits in the story of God's people. People waiting to be rescued. People who need to be saved. Now the way that Advent then works is like any good movie. It offers different tunes that help us navigate the time of waiting. We're all waiting to be rescued. Yes, Jesus has come, but part of Advent is waiting for his return. Advent gives us these different tunes. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with music scores, but the way that it works is they will often have themes that are associated with certain characters and ideas, and those themes will come up in the music, and we don't even realize it, but it's actually telling us how we're supposed to respond to this scene. And that's how Advent works. It gives us different tunes, different themes to think about while we wait. So we've seen three of those tunes this, these uh, last three weeks. Hope, repentance, which was not quite what the children's sermon did. I went a different direction on that second week. Hope, repentance, and joy. And this week, the final tune is Shalom. It's what the world needs. And as, I, as we heard earlier, shalom in English is the word peace. But we need to understand, though, is that word peace in English does not quite capture what shalom's actually about. Shalom is much deeper. It goes all the way back to Genesis 1. When God made the world and he said, I'm going to take this world that's full of chaos and darkness and has no purpose. I'm going to give it purpose and order and I'm going to give it life. And make it meaningful. And he said it's good or tov. And tov is goodness. It's God's order in the world. And when God brings order and purpose, it creates harmony. It creates shalom. And the world was shalom. But that's no longer the case, right? We're trying to get back to shalom. Only Jesus can bring shalom. Only Jesus can bring Order and purpose and harmony. The things that we so deeply need. Jesus' justice and his goodness, they spread around the world and what they bring is shalom. So this is what we need to understand on this last week of Advent. The world needs shalom. The world needs peace. And for the Jewish people, the answer to bringing peace and shalom to the world has always been God's appointed Savior, his appointed Messiah. And what we claim at Christmas is that the Messiah has come. And we get that from some passages like this one in Matthew. So this is what Matthew says. He's going to talk about the Messiah. And this is how he opens up. Chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. So Matthew wastes no time, unlike Mark, who starts at Jesus' adult, life. Mark 
or Matthew starts right at the beginning. He's going to tell us about the birth of the Messiah, Jesus. So he makes that claim right away. Jesus is the Messiah. This is what he says about the Messiah's birth. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give her, give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is the birth actually is not in a, a world of shalom. He creates a lot of problems for his parents. And we said we heard Joseph was on the fence if he should go through with this marriage. He's engaged and, and he knows that Mary's pregnant and he knows that he's not the father. So that becomes a big problem for a, a first century Jewish person who wants to be faithful to the law. But then a messenger comes from God and he says, and the messenger says, don't worry Joseph, your wife has been, or your, your fiance has been faithful. This child is from the Holy Spirit, which is not a normal thing for any Jewish person to hear. So Joseph's like, okay, this is not normal. What's going on? And then he hears something else. He hears the messenger say to him, I want you to name this child Yeshua, which is the Arabic, or not Arabic, Aramaic, I'm sorry, Aramaic version of the name Joshua. The word Joshua means Yahweh will save. Jesus, or Yahweh is my savior. There's different ways that you can translate it, but it has this idea that God, Yahweh, is our savior. That's the name of Jesus. God, he is the one, our savior. So what's going on is that Jesus, I said this last, the last two weeks, Jesus is being plugged right into this Jewish story. Who's the Messiah? Who's the one that's going to bring shalom? It's this baby who's going to be born to this mother Mary, Jesus. He is going to be the one that brings shalom. And so Joseph realizes and he agrees Before we talk about what Joseph does, Matthew does something else that's interesting. He wants to understand this idea of Jesus having this miraculous birth. So he has to look into his people's story and he tries to find a way to connect it. And this is what he comes up with here in Matthew 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not cons consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So Joseph goes through with it. He adopts Jesus as his son. He gives him the name. He assumes ownership of him as his father and he marries his uh, fiance Mary. But let's think about what Matthew said. What Matthew's trying to do is understand Jesus' miraculous birth. And so he grasped this idea from Isaiah chapter 7, where there's a King Ahaz of Judah is given a sign from a birth of a child that God will deliver his people from 
his enemies. So it's a child that will give a sign uh, from God that peace is coming. And Matthew takes that story and he says, this is exactly what Jesus' birth means for us. Peace is coming. So he connects Jesus' birth to that baby from Isaiah chapter 7. Jesus is coming and he will bring peace. He will bring shalom. Now we need to put all this together. The world needs shalom. The world needs peace. We alone hold the answer to the world's peace. We know the story. We know what we're getting ready to celebrate on Christmas Day. We know that Jesus, our source of harmony and goodness, remember, that's what shalom's about. Harmony, unity, goodness, bringing God's created order back to the world. Jesus, our source of harmony and goodness is coming. We know that. We know the world doesn't need to worry. We know that there's an answer to the world's problems. We know that Jesus, our source of harmony and goodness, is coming. So in this final week of Advent, though we wait, we know that peace is coming. So even though we don't experience peace, we know that Jesus will return to bring peace fully. And we know that his first coming brought the beginning of that peace. And this is good news. Jesus, our source of harmony and goodness, is coming. We can look at the world, we can say, yes, the world's in trouble. But we also know the answer for the world. And we shall proclaim it from the mountaintops. And say that Jesus, our source of harmony and goodness, our source of shalom, our source of peace, is coming. And next week we get to celebrate his arrival. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We hear this story that we're a part of, and we know that your son is coming, but we're still waiting. But we know that he comes to bring peace. He comes to bring harmony. He comes to promote unity. He comes to cultivate goodness. And all of this comes together to create a society of shalom or of peace. And that's the world that we want to live in, Lord. That's the world that we want to have in helping, we want to have a hand in helping create. So we ask that you would work through us, cultivate our hearts, and empower us to do that work. Be with us as we wait for this final week to celebrate your son's birth and as we continue to wait for his return. May we not forget that peace is coming. We ask this Lord, in your Son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.